You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I've gotten back to cooking recently. If you listen to the last show, you know that uh, that it, I, I, a lot of things have changed around here, and now all of a right. sudden I'm I'm making meals again, and and there it's a manly house now, right? I mean we've got the 15 year old boy, the 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 eight year old boy, lots of meats and cheeses, yeah, and, yeah, and we yeah. got my 17 year old daughter, but she's always been a little bit of a tomboy, at least in how she acts, right? Like she takes kickboxing and jujitsu. Which you know the defensive tactics have come in uh, handy in in the last month or so, and and so I have that as like my group now that's living with dad, and and we're all just you know going through our day each and every day, and I'm I'm just doing a lot of things on the grill and a lot of meats, a lot of meats, buddy. And when I screw up, it's just a pizza. Like the pizza guy knows me by name now when I screw up. Right, because <laughs> you're you're really living out the. Uh uh, what we would call the stereotype of the single dad. Yeah, I, a- <laughs> I, I burned the dinner, so we're just getting pizza, guys. Right, that, that, we've done it. Or I, or I screwed up and forgot to take dinner out because, you know, you got to freeze the meats. Like, you go to the store, you buy the meats, but you got to eat the meats really quickly, and you get a deal if you buy more meats. I've already kind of figured this out. So then you got to freeze the meats, but then I got to take the meats out of the freezer, and when I forget to do that, it's pizza time. Uh, it's pizza time because yeah. the meat's too frozen to cook. Yeah. <laughs> or it's fish sticks or something like that. But it's okay. It's it's totally fine. Now, some of you are addicted to ballpark food. And you're going to get into the offseason here. And you're actually probably going to lose a little bit of weight if you've been going to a lot of games. And I don't think there's a lot of you going to a lot of games when I look at the attendance, especially in the last month. But for those that are going and stress eating the ballpark food, you're going to lose some weight. <laughs> right. If you've been going and eating in a lot of games, uh, you know, you might be looking for another place to go eat. Right. You might be saying, where else can I go? Cork and Carry at the park has food all year round. OK, it's a great kitchen over there. It's a great, a great environment. It's a great time of year to get over there as well. The award-winning burgers two-for-one on Mondays, non-Sox home games. Well, guess what? You got lots of those coming up because this team ain't going anywhere in the postseason. And you can go over there and have a burger and have a beer or something else from their bar and check out all the craft beers they have on tap and the friendly atmosphere in the neighborhood. And you can sit there and watch playoff baseball and wish it was your team. Or you can go out to Beverly and check it out there along Western Avenue. And you can you can sit there in their in their beautiful Irish pub with the excellent patio. The patio's got TVs on it, perfect. If you like the crisp fall air, you want to sit out there and have a beer and watch playoff baseball. See more at CorkandCarry.com. You know, and I'll be doing that. I'll be watching. I, I I don't know what team I want to adopt yet. I really loved the speech when the Orioles won the AL East, and their manager goes, "Nobody thought we were going to do this, and we got a hundred wins." And they all go nuts. I mean, like, I thought that was awesome. Like, I'm trying to appreciate these young teams, these organizations that have surprised people. The way that the wild card in both leagues is still undecided and it's intense and everything like that coming down to the end. It's a lot of fun if you're a baseball fan. I just wish my team was in it. That's the problem with being a White Sox fan right now is we were supposed to be in it. We had the expectation that we were going to be in it based on where this team has been the past couple of years, at least in theory, this was a, a team that should have been contending for the division. And even if we were coming down to the wire right now, okay, and, and it, wasn't, it still wasn't a given with three games left, we'd still be in it, even if we didn't make the playoffs, right? 
But it, the Sox were out of it so early, and, and it was so obvious that they were out of it, and we had to put up with an entire summer of the regime that was saying, well, we can still turn this around. We're, you know, we've got all the talent in the world, and, and nothing's wrong, nothing to see here, everything is okay. Uh, and we all went, yeah, there really is nothing to see here, Rick, we we know. Um, but the, the, the whole idea of not being in contention it's still such a sucker punch because of the expectations. And I, and I think that's where that's where the hurt really is. Because if they had had a season where everything might have gone right except for Liam Hendricks getting hurt, and let's say that there was a few more injuries that were, were more surprising than they were, right? And, and we had that kind of a problem season where something catastrophic just ran through the clubhouse and sort of destroyed the talent level on the team and we're missing a bunch of starters and everything. I think everybody would feel a little bit better like, well, this might have just been one of those. No, no, I wouldn't feel that damn way. Damn years. But, no, the, I'd just but, be but angry. that's I would just be angry. Well, well you're angry anyway. You're you're just you're just an angry man. Listen, I wanted I wanted Bryce Harper to be yelling at Angel Hernandez in a White Sox uniform. Let me tell you, that is what hurts the most. I see I see Bryce Harper screaming at Angel Hernandez and throwing his helmet and and <laughs> willing the Phillies back into the playoffs at, right. when they're not having the best right. year. That's why you pay that guy that money. That's why you pay that guy that money. Yes. That's what this team just never understood. That's what this owner never understood. And and that's why you know I want to look at what Chris Getz can do. And and let's do that today. Let's look at what he's got to do. Let's look at what he can do. And then let's look at what he should be looking at, and that is the free agent class next time around, after the 24th right. season, because there's a few interesting names out there. And we said it this offseason, before this season even began, we said it. We said, it. you know, if, if they're not going to win it in 23, 25 is the year. So you could actually start reloading right now to get ready for 25 because the way that your contracts, the way your payroll is set up, the, the way that you're going to have a few guys, hopefully, that might be ready, like a Colson Montgomery, to contribute to the team. There's a lot that you can do when, you, when 2025 comes around, and you can still do things to build this year. So when you look at what they have to do immediately, Chris Getz has to decide on Hendricks and Anderson. He should let Liam Hendricks go. Hendricks is going to get his money. It's just going to be spread out. He can go sign with somebody else once he's healthy and ready to go. He was a wonderful story. He was a nice guy when he came on sacks in the basement. We don't really need him at this point. And it's a lot of money, and they need to clear a little bit of money because the owner's cheap, and he's not going to go out and give Chris Getz very much more than what he already has in terms of payroll. Tim Anderson, again, I'm telling you right now, he's up for the option. Club has an option of a million dollars to make him go away or pay him $14 million for next year. I don't know if you've changed your stance, my friend, but I'm telling you, I pay him the million dollars. I let him go away. Colson Montgomery is going to get here probably midway next year and definitely be here by 25. All you need is a bridge. You can give Elvis Andrus, who's going in the free agency after being paid $3 million, a $2 million pay bump. And I guarantee he walks back in here and at least just covers short until Colson gets here. And, and if you look at the free agent class of shortstops, he would be one of the top options because there's not a lot of them coming free. No, I haven't really changed my stance. I, and, and as much as I was a, I was a Tim Anderson fan and as, as happy as I was that the White Sox finally had a national face and, and somebody that MLB recognized as being a star and somebody that other stars, I mean, Mike Trout was very complimentary of Tim Anderson during the World Baseball Classic. I, you know, the, the the idea of losing a guy who was nationally given to be the face of your franchise, it doesn't hurt as much because partially I just don't, I don't know that Tim Anderson ever 
comes back to the heyday of a couple of years ago where he seemed to be, you know, when athletes seemed to be at the peak of their powers in their late 20s. I feel like we would get a Tim Anderson that is still chasing that high, still chasing that dream. And we're not going to get the Tim Anderson that is going to be quite as dynamic as that just because it's what happens to athletes. And and this is the time when they need to look to the future. And you're right. If Colson Montgomery is the guy that I think he is, you look at what he's doing. You look at how he's moving through the system. I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to bet on a prospect, but this guy looks like he's going to be the real deal. As long as they, they bring him along properly, allow him to adjust and treat him the right way, you know? I mean, you got to you got to bring him in properly, have a plan, and he seems like a gamer. I saw a video with him the other day talking into his phone. I'm like, this guy walks into a room like he knows he's good. And and it's okay to replace a guy who was like that and could back it up in TA with another guy who's like that and I think will be able to back it up in the form of Montgomery. So I'm totally fine with it. And as far as the face thing goes, Luis Robert Jr. is the face of the White Sox. Uh, and, and no doubt, he's that's that's part of it, is that Tim Anderson's been supplanted, hasn't he? You can move on from T.A. because the, the national media and the fan base knows now that Luis Robert Jr. is the man. I mean, look what the guy did this year. We talked about how good of a season it is. He basically is one of the the high-end Frank Thomas first ballot Hall of Famer seasons that Frank would have on a near-regular basis. He went out and did that and added stolen bases to it. He did something that Griffey Jr. did once in his career. Right, exactly. He matched, he basically matched Ken Griffey Jr.'s best year this year. That's what he went out and did. And he's he's 25 years old and there's going to be more seasons like it as long as he stays healthy. And it's a, it's a shame that it ends on an injury but I'm not, I'm not worried about him. He's proven to me this year that he can be an everyday player, lead a team, lead him with his bat. He doesn't need to be a vocal player. I think that the, the perception of, of Robert Jr. is this is not a guy who's going to stand up on a bench in the locker room and tell everybody, let's, let's F and go. Like that, he's not going to do that. But he leads much like a Paul Canerco by going out there and just doing his job. And, and that's what we've been waiting for. Yeah, and, and and that's the that's part of moving on from TA as the face of the franchise is from a player standpoint, he's not going to be as good. From the face of the franchise standpoint, Luis Robert Jr. is going to be a guy that is going to become if he he's already on the radar for it, and it's only going to grow bigger. I mean, he is he is the reason why people kind of universally panned the the way the home run derby was run, right? Because they, they wanted, they he were the hearing. Best. He was one of oh the best God. guys out there. And, and, and that derby did not work in the favor of him. Well, and, and the commentators were talking about the majesty of his shots and, and fans at home weren't getting a chance to appreciate it because it, it had to be done so quickly. That's the man whose legend is still on the rise and is going to grow. You know, you don't necessarily need Tim Anderson. He can go on and go to a team that might be ready to compete and where he is, he's maybe the one little missing piece for say, that's what he needs to be. He needs to be that. He needs to be a guy who comes in with a fresh start and isn't relied on to lead a team and be the face of the franchise. Look at what he did in the world baseball classic when he was basically somebody who wasn't a starter originally. And then when he was brought in, wasn't relied upon to do very much. And he became a star when he was out there. That's, that's his path. Okay. The white Sox don't need somebody who's going to jump on the radio and talk some trash to, to make them better. They just need talent. You don't need somebody walking into your house 
you know, and talking trash and saying, hey, I got this window uh, right here and I, I want you to buy it. And they're all going to look really great. But all I got is this dingy little thing. Hold on a second. A piece of it just kind of fell off here and then they put it back in. And then they give you some sort of an offer because you're trying to get some replacement windows or replacement door or something like that. If you don't buy it right now, that offer might be gone by tomorrow. I don't know how long my boss is going to let me offer it. You don't want to deal with any of that. For exterior windows, doors, patio doors, and storm doors, and no high-pressure sales, go into the showroom at Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. They've been doing it this way for 40 years with an owner in the showroom and on site, their own installers. Nothing's in a book. No dingy little examples. It's all right there in the regular size for you to see. All major brands custom-made with no stock items for a perfect fit. Half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280, 159th Street. See more at Window Door oakforest.com. Here's the thing. After he deals with the options, Chris gets, he's got the arbitration, right? There's only a couple names that matter. You're going to offer arbitration to Cease. You're going to offer arbitration to Kopech, I think. I hope that they're planning on moving him into the bullpen. I think that's where he should be. You're going to offer arbitration to Andrew Vaughn. You're going to offer arbitration to Garrett Crochet, a guy who I'd rather see in the rotation get a chance than Michael Kopech. There are other names, but I don't think they matter to me. Like, I'm not concerned about what you do with Matt Foster. That's up to Chris Getz is his prerogative. It's not going to have a major impact on the finances of the team. Same thing with, like, Luis Patino or Tukey and a couple other names on there. I don't want to see Trace Thompson. I would imagine he will not be offered arbitration. You won't see him anymore. But those are the decisions right there. I don't see anything that stands out to me as a will they, won't they when I look at the arbitration, except for names that I don't really care about, Ed. Right. I, I, the the obvious ones are the obvious ones. And then on this team, it's just a matter of, does Chris Getz see something that he thinks is is useful? In his deep dive. He's got to do that deep dive, and then he's got to figure out the usefulness. The deep dive, he's got to dive, and then he examines the usefulness. There, that's the process. Well, and also depth, okay? So you bring up, like, Tuki Toussaint, okay? Let's say that Toussaint is not good enough to be in the White Sox 2024 rotation, but you need to stash him at AAA Charlotte, Okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing if you've got to spend a little bit of money to get somebody there that you kind of trust or maybe you, you thought enough of to give him a tryout this year and you decide this might be the glass case guy. This might be the guy that I send down there and he's the first one I call up when somebody goes down, right? Well, the problem is that the problem is he doesn't have any more options left. So he'd have to make the roster next year or you're going to have to find a way to sneak him back down there. So that, that's the issue with Tukey. Well, maybe it's not Tukey, then maybe it's Patino. Okay. Okay, maybe it's, you know, it, it's something like that. Now okay. I got to find out whether or so, not you're wrong on Patino. Keep talking. I, I'm probably wrong on Patino, too. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, these are names. Here's the thing, right? I mean, as much as you listen to this show, because we're the ones that are trying to pay attention to these names, sometimes it's hard to pay attention. Patino's got an option. Okay, you're good. He's okay, got so one Patino's more option. Got That's the option. guy you put, well, in. You I, put him I, in a glass case, and you keep, it, you, you keep him in arbitration because you can hide him in AAA for next year. That guy you give arbitration to. I got you now. Right, because because you're sitting there going, all right, I, I've seen enough of him this year to know this is what we think we can get out of this guy. And and for then for Tukey, it's do we think that that's maybe our fifth starter for next year because we are not planning on contending. There's no way I can build a starting rotation out of the free agent market in one year. Some of the guys who traded for aren't going to be ready. At least I know I can throw this guy out there every five days. And if he's not very good, oh, well, if he turns out to be really good. Okay. Listen, there, there are pitchers out there. I, I, I hate the idea. Here's my issue. He won't say rebuild. Gets won't say rebuild. 
it, it's it doesn't need to be five years of a rebuild, but you have to rebuild no, your team. No, you, you, you are rebuilding the team. The no matter next what. year, you have to rebuild your team. You, you're not going to win anything in 24. You have to show fans and you have to show yourself and you have to show the players on the team that are part of the organization. And you have to build as quickly as possible, because, again, I think you could be a contender right away in 25. if You do this right. There are pitchers out there that you could sign to multi-year deals and work with. Because they could be a part of things in 25. Don't wait until 25 to spend money on pitching. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to go into the 24-25 offseason and have to go find three pitchers. And you don't want to be sitting around saying, well, we hope that these guys in the minors would have worked out, but none of them did well in AAA or when we brought them up after they had a big spring training. You know, having depth is great. And I talk about this a lot. And, and I, I, I hate bringing two shows together. I talk about this a lot when Craig Toth has me on Bucks in the Basement that he does for the Pittsburgh Pirates fans out of Pittsburgh. He writes about the Pirates and he has me jump on and talk baseball with him because he just likes talking ball with me. And when I try to explain to their fan base all the time, because they're very anxious about the build that's been going on there. But ever since Ben Charrington got in there as their GM, his goal has been one to stay within the constraints of his very cheap owner, which is so much cheaper than Jerry Reinsdorf. Bob Nutting he throws around nickels like they're manhole covers. He is the, one of the cheapest owners in all of baseball. So Charrington knows that the guy's not going to spend any money. So what he's done is he has built just so much depth at every position. And yet his pro scouting is so good that even this year, they went out and grabbed guys on one year or two year deals that had plenty in the tank left. And they didn't say, well, we're going to let this rookie have a chance at this position. No, no, no. They went and got a veteran and challenged the rookie to be better than him. And the White Sox probably need to move more to that philosophy. you got to get more depth, and you still can't be afraid to go out and add players. There's no such thing as blocking somebody. So with the White Sox, even with this young uh, group of pitchers that some were acquired just recently at those deadline deals by the last regime, all right, if you think they may be something in the next year or so, that's fine. But don't rely solely on it. Because you don't have anything in AAA when somebody gets injured. That's been your problem the last couple of years. So you still have to go out in the free agency and add some quality pieces. And there's some names that are going to be out there that I'd be willing to take a chance. I mean, Aaron Nola had a bad season. Do you think that he's really done? No. Jordan Montgomery's been a serviceable pitcher. Jack Flaherty, I would think at some point it comes back. He was too dominant. Like your pro scouting has to figure it out. And that's why he's gone out and picked up guys from outside the organization that might understand this a little bit better than the White Sox understood it over the last couple of years. And that's a good thing. But I mean, if somebody identifies that Frankie Montas, even if somebody says, hey, look, he was injured, but we think this guy's going to be something and we might be able to bring him in on a couple year deal and we want to add him to the equation. Well, then either Montas works out or one of the guys like uh, uh, that, that are down in AAA or AA that you just acquired work out. You're not going to be able to do, in this offseason alone, Chris Getz will not have the resources to build a for-sure rotation. No, okay? I don't expect him to, and then, but I expect and then, him to improve But that's it. what I was saying is, is that he's not going to build the for-sure rotation going forward in one offseason. So when we're back around to are there guys that are on the fringes here that you're maybe going to see them keep – I think for depth purposes, yes, you are going to see him maybe take a chance on some guys that they know, in addition to doing what you're talking about, which is sitting there saying, okay, this offseason, I'm going to kick the tires on Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty, and I'm going to kick the tires on Frankie Montas, and I'm going to see which one of those guys, the pro scouting, Josh Barfield, you know, uh, Brian Bannister now is your pitching coordinator, 
which one of those guys or two of them maybe do we think that we're going to grab here? Two or three guys. Depends on what their ask is as well, right? Aaron Nola had a down year, but Aaron Nola's still going to command some pretty decent money. Jack Flaherty had a down year. I think he's still going to command some decent money, or he might take a one- or two-year prove-it deal at best. And Lucas Giolito may be within your price range because of the way that he pitched at the back end and the fact that he's only had success with Ethan Katz. I mean, he may come back at a, at a deal, and it might be worth it for the money to bring him back in. Just don't treat him anymore like he's an ace. If he is a three in your rotation when you make your next run, that's a good three in your rotation. Think about him. Let's try think about him in terms of where he would slot in the the 2005 year World Series rotation. If Lucas Giolito is your John Garland, yes, that's so that's good. That's probably where he slots. He he could slot there. He might even slot where Freddie Garcia was in that rotation. I, I, that would be the that would be the Lucas Giolito comes back here and is has discovered something about himself and his travels and you know, it's almost a Hallmark movie moment of him coming back here and like coming home and like, I've discovered who I am inside and out. And I know that I'm a white Sox. Right. And then he comes in and he's your three. He's your Freddie Garcia. I'm saying Lucas Giolito's profile is probably more John Garland. He's either really hot or not. He is not Jose Contreras and he is not Mark Burley. And I don't know if you even have that right now on your, on your team. Honestly, that's the, that's the, my biggest worry. Is I, as I kind of worry, I kind of worry that Cease's ceiling is Freddie. Socks in the basement, listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. I love how we've devolved into comparing this team to the old five White Sox. It's like when... People talk about the Bears and all they do is bring up 1985. We're becoming those guys. I'm going to say that this sidetrack back to 2005 is brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. If you want to experience a downtown with a real history, great eats and drinks and green spaces filled with adventure, visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, explore, and visit LamontDowntown.com. They don't have a Mark Burley or a Jose Contreras. Because those were the guys at the top of the rotation, and those were the guys going game one, game two. Those were the guys that pushed them across the finish line. And I don't know if you have that, because Dylan Cease hasn't shown me uh, consistency, domination especially this year, and the ability to go deep into games. So you don't, you just don't have that. That's, that's the biggest problem with Cease right there. And, and you mentioned Garrett Crochet versus Michael Kopech in the rotation next year. And I'm all for it, but Garrett Crochet cannot be Dylan Cease, and he cannot be as limited inning wise as Michael Kopech was where we never see the dude get out of the fourth or fifth inning. No, we in can't be any that. starts. No. He, he's got to somehow discover a way to be a six, seven inning pitcher out of what is, you know, the repertoire we've seen so far is 
he's he's had a wicked fastball and he's got the slider. He's got to come up with something else. And and that's you know that's my my concern about him. My concern about Kopech. Uh, my concern about Cease is a little less there. But if you're trying to build a rotation, I wouldn't. As much as you're saying, I wouldn't count on the guys that are in the minors. I wouldn't count on Garrett Crochet making a successful transfer to the rotation. No, but here's the thing. He's a possibility, okay? So, right. So, think of it this way. If you have an opening in your rotation next year, then a guy who's like Nick Nostrini should be competing against a Garrett Crochet who's competing against a Michael Kopech who is also competing against the possibility that you're bringing in another guy and that guy, if he's ready and he's healthy and he's been successful in the majors for years and you identified him, that guy comes in. And those four guys... One or two make it into your rotation. That's how you have to set things up because you don't need Nestrini to necessarily come to the majors right away. You don't need Kopech or Crochet to necessarily be a starter. They can be a reliever. And so you also add something else in terms of pitching because likely Mike Clevenger is turning down his option. He's getting $4 million if he does. So he makes this year into a $12 million deal and all he has to do is go out and make more than $8 million in free agency, which he will. He will do it. He'll make more than $8 million in free agency this year and maybe get a couple more years tacked on to it because he was effective this year. And and so you're going to have holes in that rotation. And I'm just saying, don't sit there. The, the biggest problem the White Sox have had over the last, gosh, 10, 15 years I mean, it's maybe an organizational problem ever since Kenny Williams was in charge of things is the idea. If you have five uh, spots in your rotation, they only have five names that they're using in the offseason. They never they never get a sixth. They never have a seventh option. They just basically like say, well, we got these five guys. We've got five spots in the rotation. There's no need to worry anymore. We're good. Everybody will be completely healthy. Nothing bad will happen. And all these guys will have career years or progress at a rate that most players don't progress at and take a step that isn't guaranteed. And that was always the problem. And what Getz needs to do is hedge his bets with ridiculous depth. I'd rather you go out and, and, and have more than what you need than less than what you need. And at this point, they have so I mean, look at the names. I, I You got plenty of uh, AAA to AA pitchers that people are saying, well, maybe they make the rotation. You got guys like Crochet and Kopech who have never proven they could be starters but believe that they can be. Then let them compete for it. And you've got a list of pitchers in free agency this year, and it's really staggering, who have had good success in the majors but are coming off of either an injury or a down year when they when they have many more better years and they're not ex, they're not explicitly old. You've got plenty of guys that are still in the range where they've got likely several good years left in them that you could add in the rotation now. And then next year, when you go into off into the offseason, you've got some big names that are going to be floating out there in free agency at pitcher. You got some massive names out there. I'd take a Brandon Woodruff. I don't think we could afford him, but I love him. Walker Bueller will be walking around out there. Tyler Glasnow will be out there. We're going to have the guy that looks like uh, Killian Murphy. Isn't that the guy? We're going to have him in a White Sox uniform. Yeah. Like there's, there's so many names coming out the next year at a lot of different positions. You can, you can add that outfielder you've always been looking for in right field next year. There are plenty of them available. If it doesn't work out at third base, you can't figure out what third base is. Go spend the money and bring me one of the cheaters. I'll take Alex Bregman right there at third base. Just, just bring him in there. And if you can't get him, there's plenty of other names that are on there. In fact, MLB listed all of the third basemen in their, based on war and what they could contribute to a team for the 24-25 offseason. 
that are going to be free agents. And they listed Bregman, Justin Turner, uh, Eugenio Suarez, J.D. Davis, Josh Donaldson, Brandon Drury, Eduardo Escobar. Then they get to Yoan Moncada. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's how he's viewed. All right. If you have his right. jersey, I get you like him. But that's the realistic view of Yoan Moncada. And I don't care what he did over the last couple of weeks. He's got to go out and get you three to four war for me to even consider picking up the option the next year. Three to four wins above replacement for me to even consider it. You know, and what we're really talking about here overall, I think we, we, you hit it when we were talking about the rotation, but it also applies to the positions on the field. We are so used to, as White Sox fans, here are the starters, here are the bench guys, and then here's like the two or three dudes that are down in the minors that we expect to come and contribute. So in 05, here's our five starters in the rotation, Contreras, Burley, Garcia, Garland, and El Duque. Can I name the fifth guy? I remember who it was. I remember who the guy was. The one guy, just in case one of them got hurt, Brandon McCarthy. Was that who Brandon it was? Brandon McCarthy. That's right. 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 And that then was, in the end, the one pitcher. And then in the end, when they felt like they really needed to depend on him, he did not pan out. Right? Brian Anderson was going to be there as the heir apparent to Aaron Rowan. Nope. Nope. Okay. And they never had any other depth behind him. So you're right. It's been an organizational problem forever. And you hope that gets. When you see these moves, when he's getting guys from the outside, I know his sound bites are terrible. And again, this is not the guy that I wanted because I want him to go outside the organization. But just the fact that he's restructuring, he's doing it the right way. He's saying, first, I'm changing some of the personnel around here. Second, some of you guys got to go. Third, now we're going to now we're going to take a look at what we're, is actually a value and we're going to go into the offseason and we're going to start constructing a team. And no, I won't call it a rebuild, but I am not promising you anything. I, it, so far, he's doing what I would do. I mean, he may not he may not vocalize it as well as I would do it, and I, I would want him to do it. But he's at least taking a lot of the steps that I would have done. And that's you know, I don't I don't really need Chris Getz to be a big personality, and I don't actually know if Chris Getz has a big personality at all. I mean, this just might be who who the dude is. But frankly. Somebody you know, somebody get me Gordon Beckham on the line just so I can ask the question. Hey. Does your buddy Getsy, does he have a personality like, or is this just who he is? They look so similar. I've never seen him in a room together. Unless it's one of those fight club things where like oh, one's well, the other one's imaginary uh, best friend. Well, I, 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 uh, I'm sorry. I ruined yeah. fight club. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> no, no. I thought you were going to say then, you know, they meet in the middle of the inning, take their shoes and their shirts off and start beating the tar out of each other. That, that would get me back to the ballpark. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.